0: The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. In virtual worship, our sanctuary empty, we gather for worship this Sunday, September 13th, 2020. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. The liturgy, music, and sermon are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation through WBUR 90.9 FM and our listenership, now and later, at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the spirit moves, and when, and as it is again permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. We hear again today the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified, the liberal grace of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the heart of the gospel and the truest feature of the Christian life. So we pray every Sunday, forgive us. Today's holy gospel offers the liberal grace of forgiveness in a parable. Following suit, our sermon does the same. Do you know God to be a pardoning God? Today's service of worship includes the greeting and sermon new this week recorded on September 9th along with music and liturgy rebroadcast from earlier services. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. we pray together. O God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Our prayers of confession are part personal and part collective. Today in collective confession we remember the sentences of Franklin Littell, the first dean of Marsh Chapel and one of the founders of Holocaust studies in this country who wrote in his book The Crucifixion of the Jews quote Nazism was in no sense a revolt against religion and spirituality Neither was it secularist, quite the contrary. In its central creed, the party affirmed a devotion to positives Christentum. The Fuhrer and other party orators made constant reference to divine providence, spiritual renewal, moment of decision, immortal destiny, and the like. Many of the party hymns were simply new words written to popular gospel songs with the same brass bands marching and evoking from crowds the same emotional response. The key question, and here the issue of heresy arises, is why the millions of baptized and confirmed Christians had no sense that they were now responding to visions and programs antithetical to the biblical faith. Together, in a moment of quiet, let us lift our collective prayers of confession. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God.
1: A lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 19 through 31. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove that sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them. All of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord and the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Please join me in saying verses from Psalm one hundred fourteen with the antiphon. from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language. Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel God's dominion. The sea looked and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains mountains skipped like like rams, the hills like lambs. Why is it, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn back? O mountains, that you skip skip like rams? O hills, thy clouds. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob.
3: turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a stream of water. Tremble, O
2: earth, at the presence of the Lord. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
4: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but, I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions, in payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my Heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
0: Please forgive the intrusive nature of this sermon, for I want to begin by taking a walk with you into the attic of your soul. Though we are friends, it is not my right to initiate such a visit. Though we are pastors and parishioners, it is not our right to force such a trek back up through the mist of time. You would need to make an invitation yourself, even to suggest the climb, without any initiative on your part is rude of me. I apologize. The gospel, however, intrudes upon our very souls, whether the preacher has a right or not. As kingfishers catch fire and dragonflies draw flame, so truth, that liberal grace, that light in which we see light, advances upon us. So we go ahead. We walk together upstairs to the landing, You kindly have turned on the hall light. Thank you. I wonder if this is a sign from you that you will welcome this joint venture. We pull down on the chain that loosens the attic portal. You know how that little door in the ceiling falls open and slowly a flank of wooden stairs comes down and down and down and touches our feet. We are ready to climb up into the darkness. Watch your step. You have not been up into the cobwebs and the dust of memory, the mothballs and the coverlets of history, the grime and the darkness of the past. It is a little slow going. This is your attic, though. You know it as well as you know your own past. In fact, it is your past, box by box and crate by crate. I have no right to be here, and if you ask me, I will leave. A man has a right to his own regrets. A woman has a right to her own regrets. They are not common property. They are yours, these boxes and labels and shoes and hangers and records and amulets and souvenirs from the dusty past. One of you is looking over an old service uniform from the Great War, brown and rumpled. Another sees Bobby Sox and a political poster, I Like Ike. She has stumbled past three old Beatles albums, Greatest Hits, Abbey Road, The White Album. I notice a Jim Croce tape. I wonder if it still plays. He thumbs through a pile of other newer albums. She has a 2004 World Series Fenway ticket. He has a ball-marked deflate gate. And of course, there are lots of photographs. What kind of an attic would it be without boxes and records and photographs? This is the attic of memory. No, we won't stop at the wardrobe today. The wardrobe is for another day, a day of hope and imagination. Lions and witches come from wardrobes. Today we are looking back, though. We are going to stumble and claw our way over into the back corner. There is not much light here. It is a long time since anyone came back in all this way. Dust, cobwebs, it makes you sneeze. Over in the corner there is a small, low box, carefully closed and tied around with a little baler's twine. This is yours. No one else knows it is here. Or if they do, they have forgotten, or never understood, or just don't care. But you know, and remember, and understand, and care. I really do not want to be here, and you probably don't want to either. I, for it is not my business, you, because in black ink, now dusty, is penned across the top of the box a single, awful, hellish word, regret. Regret is a short synonym for hell, and up here in the attic of memory, off in the corner sits this stupid box, which means nothing to anyone except to you. There it is, a single box labeled regret. Open it. Go ahead. Try it, if you want. I think you have wanted to come up here but just never had 20 minutes of quiet to do so. Remember last summer when you thought about the box? And remember that early morning dream? That was a strange thing. I want to encourage you to open it, hold it in both hands, untie the twine, loosen the top, turn it over and let it all fall out. Good. That was a gutsy thing to do. Good for you. The reason the box was marked regret is that this is one thing you regret. You have a regret. That is part of being human. Can you live with being human? Can you live with being a little lower than the angels? How do I know all this? As my great aunt would say, if you're so smart, how come you're not rich? A really good question. I know because I have boxes in my attic too. They too are covered with cobwebs. I too make my visits, my attic climbs very seldom. And yes, I know about regret, not just vicariously either. There is nothing quite as bitter if only If only, if only. I asked to come up here with you for a reason. Up in the attic here with that swinging bare light bulb and the Johnny Mathis record and the 2018 election lawn sign and all this dust, we may feel God. Look at the box again and all its contents spread across the floor In the dark, I cannot see the floor, but after 44 years and 10 pulpits, I truly doubt if any of it would surprise me. After reading the Bible and Shakespeare and a few decades worth of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, there is not much that surprises. But it is different for you. This is your attic, your memory, your box, your regret. It is yours. In a way, this box is more yours than any of the others. In this box are the articles of impeachment brought by life against us. They are multiple and they are damning, and unlike civil and criminal law, the laws of the soul do not give way to lawyerly cunning. And there is no vote, no two-thirds majority needed. And the impeachment may not have led to conviction except in the heart. Yours. What is that you say? Not you. Never a cutting word. Never a selfish deed. Never an unhealthy habit. Never a compulsive trend. Never a myopic judgment. Never a temptation accepted. Never an ungenerous year. Never a vote you wish, truly wish you had not made. You meant one thing and meant another never a non-giving decade, not you, never a misspent dollar or day or dream, ah, you don't go to enough funerals. But the box doesn't lie, nor does the conscience, nor does the memory, nor does life. It simply spells regret, that I regret. There is something that both can and must be said as we pack up the regret box. Read about it again sometime in Matthew 18, 21 to 35. It is not a human thing to say, though we are the only saying beings around, so we do the best we can. It is a God word, and only God speaks God's words. First, looking down at the dusty cardboard of past regret, something that if not removed, can fester and infect and cripple. First, there is this. God forgives you. It is, according to the scripture, the divine promise and intention to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. It is the first and last and only unreplaceable word of faith. Abraham felt it. Miriam sang it with all her might. Joseph practiced it, Hosea proclaimed it, Jesus taught us to pray for it, and for 2,000 years the church has tried to exemplify, embody this one word, God forgives. John Wesley asked his preachers one initial question, do you know God to be a pardoning God? Now that, in the face of a box marked regret, that is good news, truly good news. In the face of the worst rejection and the most regrettable misjudgment on earth, God practices in Christ a powerful forgiveness. You know, in the midst of all the harshness of the religious right and the flightiness of the religious left, it can be hard to hear the central truth about God and about us. God forgives. God forgives before we are up in the attic at all. God forgives when we we realize what we have to regret. God forgives as we carry, carry the regret around. God forgives when we hear and when we do not, and it does not depend on our hearing. Do you know God to be a pardoning God? If so, you know the God, the God of Jesus Christ. Here are some scriptures worth memorizing about God who forgives. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive, forgive him? As many as seven times, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. But maybe that is not what keeps you awake, not what makes you linger today in the attic. You may well believe and trust that God forgives, but what about those you have regrettably hurt? This can be particularly hard for those who have grown up around especially hardened parents and other adults. If you have not heard an encouraging word much growing up, it can be hard later in life to believe that those other humans around you can practice a liberal grace that they can be gracious. They can be. As a matter of fact, most of the time they are more than most of the time. People forgive more than you know and more than you may think you deserve, and it really delights me. People have a profound capacity to forgive and forget. It is God-given, and it is real, and it is good. I think of the waiting father and the prodigal son. I think of Paul forgiving Peter's two-faced behavior. I think of Augustine's mother forgiving his selfishness. I think of Erasmus forgiving the wayward popes. I think of Grant and Lee at Appomattox. I think of Abraham Lincoln walking around Richmond. I think of the Marshall Plan and rebuilding of Germany and Japan in the 1940s. I think of women and men night after day, day after night for millennia you may have to ask sometime for forgiveness you probably should probably should say i'm sorry like the ancient tv character the fonz who could never utter the word i was i was i was wrong but my experience is that most people most of the time when confronted with a heartfelt sincere apology from a person of integrity will simply directly and kindly say, don't worry about it, I forgive you. It is one of the greatest things about other people. You may have to give it a little time. You may have to pray about it. You may have to trust a little. You may have to try more than once. But other people will forgive you. But that may not be what holds you here in the attic either. As a matter of fact, I bet that the box is still up here, wrapped in twine and covered with dirt and marked regret for another reason. It's one thing for God to forgive you. It's one thing to accept another's kindness. But in the end, that still leaves you a few sandwiches short of a picnic. God has forgiven you. Your neighbor has forgiven you. Now comes the hard part. You have to forgive yourself. You have to let yourself off the hook. You have to find a way to admit to yourself that you are not 101% perfect. You have to, well, accept your own acceptance. And that can be a lot easier said than done. Because we have a way of holding on to what poisons us. Why is that? We have a way of clinging to that which poisons us. We have a way of just wrapping ourselves in a miserable kind of self-conceited, self-condemnation, especially up in the attic. Sunday is a good time to dump your guilt. God doesn't want it. No neighbor finally has much use for it. So why is it still in the box? What good is it? Get rid of it. When in doubt, throw it out. God forgives you, so does your neighbor. Forgive yourself. As a matter of fact, while we're here up in the attic, let's just take that box out of here. I'll hold the ladder for you while you're coming down. You can carry it with a little homiletical help. If we hurry, we can get out on the curb before noon and the heavenly garbage truck always comes by this part of your mental world Sunday at noon. There, it's out on the curb and soon it will be gone for good, sang William Blake. And throughout all eternity, I forgive you, you forgive me. And throughout all eternity, I forgive you, You forgive me, and throughout all eternity, I forgive you, you forgive me. Amen.
5: now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. God of light and love, we have heard your message, felt your presence, that in you there is no dark cloud at all. Nothing exists that can hide the light of your presence. Forgive us when we cling to the shadows, failing to heed your call to wake up and seek more life. Send us to do your deeds of mercy and peace, to feed the hungry, shelter the homeless, touch the sick with your healing balm, console the sorrowing visit the prisoners, welcome the stranger, and spread peace, love, and happiness. Guide us in this time of shadows. Keep us from despair when we see that there is no peace in our cities and no security in our places of higher learning. Lift our eyes towards you that we may see see your face shining on us and walk in your light, and that that we remember you are the source of our blessings. Comfort with your presence those who are living in the shadow of grief shattered by the loss of children, parents, spouses, friends, and colleagues. Give assurance to all who are missing loved ones that the living and the dead are in your care, certain of being joined again in the unbroken circle that will sing your praise forever. May we remember that it is a miracle to be alive and well. May we seek to come alive this week and embrace the challenges of the year. May we remember that it's not what they call you, it's what you answer to. Amen. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, we pray Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and lead us the trespasses, and to trespasses, lead those who trespass to gangsters.
1: of the universe, who grounds our being and fills existence with meaning. Use our charitable gifts for your purposes, that we may continue to live in the legacy of those before us, exemplifying respect for humanity with a global perspective. Through Christ, the one whose life exemplified respect for humanity and others. Amen. (laughs)
0: Aaronic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.